If you will, I want you to join me by turning to Proverbs chapter 31. We're going to be in the Old Testament for the time that we have together this morning. We're going to get into the Word today, and we're going to talk uh, to the women, and we're going to talk to the men. You would think on Mother's Day it's a message just for the women. Well, it's, it is for the women, but it's speaking to the men as well. And so let's uh, go ahead and pray, and then we'll get it right into the text, okay? Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity this morning for the next few minutes. Enlighten us, inspire us, illuminate us to the truth that is on these pages. We know that apart from the Spirit of the living God, we could not understand these passages. Paul made it clear that the natural man cannot appraise spiritual things. So we ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts to receive the word today. May this word provide encouragement and strength and a challenge to both men and women in this room. And we pray this asking in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 31, we're going to read verses 10 through 31. 22 verses. An excellent wife, who can find... She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he has no lack of gain. That simply means that he knows that she will cover her part of their relationship so well. She's going to cover them both in that way. Verse 12, she does, she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. I know there were days where she probably wanted to do him harm, but she doesn't. Verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. That means she goes all the way down to Fort Pierce to Aldi's in order to find the best deal on groceries. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens, for her servants. In other words, she's up at the crack of dawn to make pancakes and bacon for the kids. Uh, those of you who had a mom that did that kind of a thing, let's give a big yahoo. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. And with the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. In other words, she searches far and wide for the you pick farms. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She hits the fitness center every other day for a good workout. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. From the light of her computer screen, she works the online stores to find the best deals for her family. Uh, she puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. So she's very familiar with Joanne Fabrics. 
She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hand to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household. That's because she lives in Florida. For all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Again, back to Joanne Fabrics. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. He sits among the men of the city dealing with governmental issues is what that means. That's what it's representing. Just hanging out at the city gate while his wife is working hard. No, no he's working hard too. She, I'm sorry, she makes linen garments and sells them. She's entrepreneurial. She never misses a good garage sale. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She's always prepared for what lies ahead. She's an opportunist with a positive attitude. Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and her teaching of kindness is on her tongue. What a wonderful combination. Wise and kind. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She won't waste time watching reality TV shows when there are things to be done. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Wow. What a description and a tribute to women. A second grade teacher spent an afternoon helping her students understand magnetism. She had a magnet and she showed them how it's able to pick things up. And the next morning at school, she wanted to see how many kids retained that teaching. So she said, hey, let me ask you a question. What can pick things up? It has six letters, and the first word or letter is M. And before the class could raise a hand, Jimmy yelled out, Mother! <laughs> There's no question that mothers pick up a lot of things. And I suppose that right now in this room, after reading Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, some of you ladies are picking up a lot of weight as you think about this type of a person that the Bible describes and you're comparing yourself and going, oh my goodness, I'm not even close to that. And in fact, I don't even really want to be close to that. Um, I think reading this passage out of context is exactly how feminist movements get started. When they look at the passage, they, say, they think, this had to be written by a misogynist. There's no other way around it. And what we don't understand is actually the context of the passage. Many a pastor has preached this passage as a to-do list for mothers. 
What a great Mother's Day message, huh? Go to church and have somebody lay down the to-do list for you. This Mother's Day, it's going to be different. I'm not going to make something up. I'm not going to try and put something in the text that isn't there. But I want to try and extrapolate from the text what is there. There are three things I want to share about Proverbs uh, chapter 31, verse 10 through 31. I'd like for you to write these down. And I don't mean women. I mean men. Write these down. As I explain to you the context, you're going to understand why you should be the ones writing them down. Ladies, some of you are tempted right now to write them down for your husband. Don't. Hand him the pad and pencil. He needs to write them down. Let me share with you, I want to encourage you, men. I want to encourage you, women, with Proverbs 10, 30, uh, 10, uh, 10 through, uh, 31, 10 through 31. Number one, here it is, three things that aren't necessarily known about this proverb. First of all, number one, these 22 verses that I just read to you are actually a poem. Did you know that? It's a poem. More than that, it's an acrostic poem. What I mean is that there are 22 verses. Each verse starts with a letter in the Hebrew alphabet consecutively. It's written in such a way as a poem. It's beautifully written so that it follows the Hebrew alphabet. And something else to know about this, this poem provides a summary statement. It provides a commentary on Proverbs chapter 8 and 9. If you really want the full text, you'd go to Proverbs 8 and 9. This is simply taking from that a summary uh, commentary. It's really referring to wisdom of that is spoken to women. It's spoken to women by men. It is not seen as a sermon to be preached at a woman. It is said to be spoken of her in a form of praise. Again, let me remind you, it's a poem. It's a poem. So this poem is an illustration of the practicality of wisdom in action. It's a poem of wisdom in action. Number two, let me give you a second point about this, this poem. This poem is targeted primarily to the audience of men. The acrostic poem was set to music in the 17th century. And the orthodox, traditional orthodox Jewish men would sing this poem to their wives. It would be at the time of Shabbat each week. So just as you're coming into the Sabbath, the woman would pray and light the candles, and the man of the house would begin to sing this as a praise, listen now, to all the women in his house. It's not just for moms, it's not just for wives, it's written for young girls, because as he sings this over his daughter, 
She is learning the beautiful role, the place that God has given her to serve in the home, in the family, in life. Remember now, we read that this woman has entrepreneurial skills. She has business abilities. She can buy real estate. She can sell clothing. This is not a picture that the world wants you to see, thinking that the Bible is so old-fashioned and it only places a woman in a particular role. This expands and broadens, and it's not written about a single woman. It's written to all the women in the home. Here's why. Because no one woman could carry out all these things in that family. And so if a woman tries to carry all these out, you'll either end up in an ER or a mental institution. No, you could. If God empowers you, you can do anything God calls you to do. But I'm just telling you, it's broader than just a woman. He's speaking this, the Jewish men would speak this over all the women in his home. I think it's a beautiful tribute to ladies. Now, I want to put this in context. It's very much like the role that every Christian plays in the body of Christ. Paul made it very clear to us as he wrote to Corinth, to the church there, that every single member of the body of Christ serves a specific role. And not everybody can be the hand, not everybody can be the eye, not everybody can be the foot. Every one of us have a different role to play in the body. It's never a focus on the individual. It's always a focus on the collective whole. See, the body is whole when every individual does their part. The same is true in this acrostic poem. The ladies of the house, he's singing over them because each one of them, all ages, it could be a daughter, it could be a wife, it could be a mother, It could be a grandmother. It could be a stepdaughter who are living in that home. And every one of them collectively makes up what the beauty of this song speaks of as he sings it. I think that's important for us to know. Acrostic poem is a collective effort uh, effort of the women in the family that illustrates wisdom in action And the man would sing this praise to all the women of the house, how much he appreciates them, how much he adores them. And by the way, he sang it every, what ours would be, every Friday evening. This is not a once a year Mother's Day song that he sings. Every week, He would praise his wife. He would praise his daughter. He would praise his mother. He would praise his daughter-in-law. Every week. I'm not saying that to the men to put a man down because you haven't done it. I'm not asking you to sing. It would be better for some of you not to sing this song. But, But... you live this, you celebrate, you recognize, you, you raise up these wonderful traits that are found in God's word of a godly 
woman or godly women. To one woman, shopping is a joy. To another, shopping is a task. To one woman, cleaning is fulfilling. To another, it's a necessary evil. This poem illustrates that wisdom works on these things collectively. It's a family affair. Everybody contributes. Everybody, including the man, including the son, in different ways for the men. But everybody in the family makes sacrifices for the sake of the family. Amen? So it's an acrostic poem. Secondly, the target audience is men who celebrate women collectively in in his home. And thirdly, ladies, this is for you. I, I broke down as I was reading this this week, as I was just meditating on this passage. I, I'm a reflective thinker. I can experience something, and it doesn't really hit me until later as I just contemplate it. And so I was in that place of contemplation over this passage, and it hit me, and I thought, oh my. I really feel the Lord gave this to me. He inspired me to say this to you today from his word, that this passage is God's call to you, ladies. And let me tell you exactly what God calls you in the passage. He calls you a virtuous woman. You're a virtuous woman. Ashet Kal El in the Hebrew. Ashet Kal El. Say that with me. Ashet Kal El. It means a woman of valor. That's exactly what it says in the text, that a godly woman is a woman of valor. There is something unique about her. She's brave. Can you imagine spending one hour in our children's ministry working with toddlers, men? One hour. Uh, Amen. That's me. I'm looking at some of you. You're going... Ain't no, listen, they do it all day, all night. She's a woman of valor. Women, this is, what's God, this is what God says about you. Um, if I can just take this a, a step further, there are many kinds of bravery, whether we're talking about cultural bravery in the Old Testament living in that day, or whether we're talking about the culture of the day that we live in. It requires a woman of God to be a woman of valor. Now, interestingly, there is another woman mentioned in the Bible where the same word, Ashet Kael, is used of her, a woman of valor. Guess where it is? It's the book of Ruth. It's spoken of Ruth. And it's interesting, and I want to share it with you, because right now, Some of you ladies are thinking, okay, you're saying nice things, saying that I'm a woman of valor. I don't feel like a woman of valor. I don't feel like anybody recognizes me that way, and I don't necessarily feel that way myself. You are. This is who God has called you to be, a woman of valor. And this is what God will enable you to be. And some of us have a low self-esteem. Others say things to you. They've spoken to you. You're, maybe it's your own family members have spoken over you negative words. They put you down that you're not this, you're not that. Listen, I'm telling you, God in this text calls you a woman of valor. 
And in case you're wondering, well, maybe if I in another year get it together, then he'll call me that. No, no, no. You don't understand the text. You are right now. God sees you that way. In the same way that a person who is transformed by the work of the Spirit, they come into Christ as Savior and Lord, God no longer sees them as sinners. Do they sin? Yes. But he does not see you that way. He sees you as righteous through the work of Christ on the cross. Amen? You are a woman of valor. In fact, let me give you the illustration where it's used about Ruth because this is a fascinating story. I'll share it with you quickly. Interestingly, every New Testament truth usually has an Old Testament illustration. And that's exactly what we're pointing to today. In the Old Testament here, we see this woman of valor, this virtuous woman. And, and in fact, it's a picture. This is interesting. It's how did you, who called her, who called Ruth in the Old Testament a woman of valor? I'm going to tell you about her in just a second. But who, who did the calling? I'm going to tell you who it was. It was a man, a godly man, a righteous man. The Bible actually, if you look up this man's name, Boaz, you won't find any, any sense of sin that he ever committed. The Bible doesn't speak of anything. It only speaks of the fairness, the righteousness of this man. He's the one who calls Ruth a woman of valor. He's godly, he's respectable, he's spiritual, no sin is mentioned of him, and he says to Ruth, you are a virtuous woman. You are a woman of valor. Now, in the story, Ruth uh, presents herself to this man, this gentleman. He's older than her. And she presents herself to him. And she positions herself in such a way that she's saying to him, if you choose, I am willing to take your hand, to be part of your life, to take your hand in marriage. I'm willing. And, and he's a man who's a little older than the men her age, and he is blown away by her humility, her sense of brokenness, her contriteness, and her love. And so he says to her in Ruth chapter 3, verse 11, by the way, this summer we're going to do a three-part series out of the book of Ruth. So we're going to talk to singles, we're going to talk to those who are married, and we're going to talk to uh, those of you who are dating. We're going to cover all those areas. Now, he says to her, and now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know, listen now, that you are a Ashet Kael, a virtuous or worthy woman. Now, let me tell you why that's so profound. Let me tell you about Ruth. Ruth is a woman who is destitute. She is penniless. And she's a foreigner. If you have those three things going for you, you have nothing. You are an outcast. But this is the one that God chose, by the way, Boaz is seen as the kinsman redeemer in the Bible. Boaz 
is a type of Jesus Christ. So that as we hear the words coming from Boaz regarding this destitute, penniless foreigner, we get a sense it's not about her current state, it's about who she is on the inside. Not what people see on the outside, not what they call her, not where she comes from, not by her language or by the coloring of her skin. It is absolutely about what God sees inside the heart of every woman. And so this is the woman. This is her. She's not even a Hebrew. She is both broke and broken. She had a husband and he died and they never had children. That's another another curse upon her in the world in that day, to not be able to bear children. I'm telling you, in every shape and way, this woman had nothing. And she's the one that God said, tell her. She's a virtuous woman. She's a woman of valor. At that time, he first saw her while she was living out the welfare system that God had drawn up for Israel. She's on welfare. Uh, God's welfare system for Israel was that when the poor or the foreigner passes by your field where you are bringing in a harvest, don't ever, don't ever take and harvest the corners of your field. Leave them for the foreigner. Leave them for the penniless. Let them come onto your field and let them take what they need. Another place in the scripture it says, as you make your harvest, go through once, don't go back a second time. Leave it for the foreigner, for the penniless. Boaz notices this woman working in his field to gather what she can. For she and her mother-in-law, who is also a widow, two widows trying to make it through life together. Not only that, but she's not as I said, she's a foreigner. She's a Moabite, a Moabitess, which were the arch enemy of Israel. I'm telling you, there is nothing in the life of this woman that points to her being a virtuous woman or for somebody to say, you're a mighty woman of valor. But this is God's view of moms who don't think much of themselves because they're beaten down, because they're weary because they're not doing enough, according to Proverbs 31. This is God's view of young girls who are coming into an age where they're trying to understand what real love is, and a young boy who comes and says, let me tell you what love looks like, and tries to take advantage of her. She's searching, seeking for love, and she's finding it in the wrong ways. This is for the widow, for the mother, my heart goes out today to Kaz Mazzarella, Bart's wife, and to Bart, as today they will drive down to the hospital where their oldest son, Mike Michael, 50 years old, who had a stroke not long ago, and today they will pull the plug on Mother's Day. Every time you think you've got it bad, isn't that true? Somebody else is facing something even worse. And God says to all of you, 
and says to Kaz today, you are a mighty woman of valor to do what you're having to do on Mother's Day. God doesn't see you. Ladies, this is something you might want to remember. You might want to write it down. But God doesn't see you in your present state. He sees you in the potential of your future. He sees you for who you you are in him. If there's a takeaway from this message, it's this. Get close to God. You who are saved, who are Christians, draw near to God. Let God be your strength. Whatever's happening in your life as a mom, whatever your children are going through, whether they're wayward apart from you, whether they are lonely and you're not able to get to them, I'm telling you, draw near to God. You can draw near to God and he will hear your cry and he will come to you. He loves you. You are a mighty woman of valor. Sometimes for a mom to be a godly woman and to be a mighty woman of valor, you have to go against your instinct. A mom wants to protect, and God says, no, don't protect in this situation. They need to grow themselves. I'm doing a work in them. Don't get too close. You know how hard that is for a mom? (laughs) Other situations, the mom's like, oh, believe me, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I want God to teach them, and I'm going to let God have space. But then after they, something begins to happen and God moves, now coming back together. And all that a mom feels for her children, all that a young girl feels growing up trying to find her identity, all that an older woman, a widow, feels in her loneliness, having those wonderful, fruitful years of relationship with her spouse are gone. But she still has God. If you are a woman here today, I don't care what age, and you do not know Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, as your personal Savior, that you have surrendered your life to Him, you have made Him your God, you recognize your sin, You repent of your sin, you turn from it, and you turn to God who sent his son in the incarnate Christ to die on the cross for your sins and forgive you. If you have not done that, it's as easy as believing. You believe in Jesus Christ. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered, shall be saved. Whatever you're facing, Don't do it so that you'll get out of a mess you're in right now. You do it because you recognize, I'm a mess, I'm a sinner, I need Christ. I need a Savior. I don't have have any ounce of confidence that I will die and go to heaven. Turn your life over to God. Release, just surrender. Let the Holy Spirit do a work in transforming you. And every day he will continue to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ as you go forward. You will be a woman of valor. That's what God has in mind for you. That's God's calling on your life. And today, as men, we should rise up and we should thank God for each of you ladies that are in our lives. Each one of you. Last night, my family sat together. My son, Mark, and his wife, Victoria, are here today with their little baby, Elin. 
And uh, what number is she, Rini? Where, where's Rini at? Oh, she working with, she's working with the kids in the nursery. Rini, what? <laughs> Just around the corner. Um, we are so thankful, so blessed. But we sat together. Uh, my, my mother and dad are here. Mom, stand up. Dad, stand up back here. Uh, they, they now worship with us. Amen. And uh, we, we all got together last night at house. I just made hamburgers, something simple, you know, burnt half of them. But anyway, um, we, we sat together and after the meal had a wonderful meal together. Then we took time to go around the room. We do this every time we gather for any kind of a birthday or a special recognition day. And we spoke to each of the women, all of us, spoke to each of the women sitting there at the table. It was important to us. Give a word, say a word that makes you think of them, something about their character, their nature, and then you can expound on it. It took time. It was meaningful. I pray it was meaningful to the ladies that we spoke over. It's so important that we do that, man. Today, it's not just about being nice to your wife, take her to a nice meal out, out in the community. It's about every week, find a way to thank your wife, to appreciate your daughter, to thank your mother, to thank your daughter-in-law or daughters-in-law, to show kindness, to praise them, celebrate them. Ladies, those of you who don't have anyone doing that in your life, I wish I had an easy answer for you. I wish I could fix that for you. But what I can do is absolutely promise you that God the Father says to you, let me be your husband. Let me comfort you. Let me encourage you. Let me strengthen you. And then he creates this thing called the church, and he says, I want you, the church, to be the delivery system of my love to these women who are alone. We have a responsibility. Looking around the room, some of you know someone right now sitting in this room who's alone We have a responsibility. Proverbs 31 is for us to sing this over them, to praise them and celebrate them. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, we pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to do his work to convict the sinner, to transform them into righteous people not by their works not by their goodness not by their merit nobody's merits goodness and righteousness but by the work of jesus christ simply because they believed and they surrendered so that he could do the work in them we pray for that and we pray for those who know you personally that they would be drawn to the word and the word would come alive for them. They would live out this passage, Lord, because 
it's not just a passage that's cute or that's written in a poem for the purpose of just reading, or easy reading. Lord, it's, it's, it's truth that if we will unpack it in our heart, it can change how we live. May the, may the women in the room today, all the women, may they recognize how much they are appreciated by how we show them appreciation. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, Amen. 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 Thank you for being here today. I want to say to you that we have uh, prayer partners, we have elders who are here, and they would, they would love to pray with you about any matter you're facing in your life. We, we take prayer very seriously, and so please come forward, just meet with any one of them. And uh, Jackie's over here, ladies, you can speak to Jackie, and there's others that'll come join if more women come forward. We've got some ladies who can help you. God bless each of you. I pray that it is a special day of celebration for each of you ladies that are here, okay? God bless each of you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.